On this episode of the podcast, Rosie and Turner start a new series on the end times. It's going to be cool. So grab a coffee, sit back, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, hello, All Out Warriors. This is another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I'm joined in the studio with Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up, dude? How you doing, man? Doing good. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, awesome, man. And uh, this was, we just came off of Super Bowl weekend, the absolutely most boring <laughs> Super Bowl so boring. in the history of Super Bowls. Man, that was a snooze fest. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so boring. Oh, I know. And you have such high hopes, like, and, and not only that, but like to add insult to injury, I'm not that I'm hating on anybody because I'm like, I'm not like, I don't really hate any sports teams other than maybe the Cowboys, but, uh, I hate, uh, the Phillies and the, well, you, oh, no, I'm sorry, the Flyers and I hate the Penguins. So we're, yeah. <laughs> but, but for real, the Patriots just like, again, it's like, come on. Okay. So I was in the same camp. Until I heard someone <laughs> that I respect their opinion. Yeah. They said it on this podcast. And he said, basically, he, he was rooting for them because it's, he's not a, a, a Patriots fan. Yeah. But he said, if you didn't root for him, you're un-American because you hate success. <laughs> and, he, and he also said that as much as we hate, you know, talking about Brady won again and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We're going to be telling, or I'm going to be telling my grandkids, like, we're going to be like, yeah, we, I remember we lived through one of the greatest eras so far. Yeah, the Patriots dynasty. Yeah. Which is unparalleled by any, like, well, it'll never. It, well, I've got two okay. that I've lived through because I got to see Joe Montana play who had a, he had a dynasty and now Brady as well. Okay. Yeah. But, and Michael Jordan. Yeah. So I've seen some pretty, and Gretzky. So I've seen some pretty yeah, amazing I, I saw, sports. I, yeah, I've seen. Our I, our lifetimes had some pretty strong sports people. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've never seen any good Redskins. But <laughs> Joe Gibbs, baby. Oh, yeah, that's true. I was right. with him. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm significantly younger than you, so. Y you are. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, if anyways. the Caps can get their acts together, maybe they could have two in a row. Oh, that'd be so awesome. Stanley Cups. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. Yeah. So. And I get what you're saying. I agree with you on, at some level that, yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like the underdog. And I had a personal thing with the Rams. I stupidly watched this Amazon Prime thing <laughs> on the Rams, how they moved from St. Louis to LA yeah. and how they got rid of Jeff Fisher, their coach, and they picked up McVay, who used to be with the Redskins. Yeah. Which I was, and he's super young and really, really talented. I mean, the fact that he got to the Super Bowl in his second year as a head coach, that says a lot. Yeah. And he's just a, a player's, he's a player's coach. Like, they love him. Yeah. So, I, you know, like they showed a scene um, of at the end of the game where he goes over to Goff at the, you know, Jared Goff was just sitting on the bench and he like leaned over. And somebody said to me, like, I wonder what he said. And I said, well, I know what I would have said if I was him. I would have been like, hey, now you know what it feels like. Let's go back next year. Yeah. Let's get back in this game next year and let's do it, do it right and win it. Let's yeah. bring home the trophy. That's what I would have said if I yeah, was him. Yeah. And he probably did say something like that. Yeah. You know, or I'm proud of you. Yeah. Let's, something. Let's go do it next year. Something. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. So speaking of that, uh, did you know? <laughs> okay. What? What? Okay. What is this one is crazy. In 1962, there was a so was, you know the acid LSD. <laughs> yeah. Was big, and they were doing all sorts of experiments. We talked about MK Ultra, but anyway, right, so yeah. there's ex- this experiment set up by the someone at the University of Oklahoma. So they gave a male elephant oh, no. <laughs> it was uh, 32,000 kil- uh, 3200 kilograms big guy yeah 14 year old male elephant they wanted to see how much acid it would take to make him go crazy what an yeah. elephant yeah so they gave him 297 milligrams oh, which if you don't know anything about acid right is all that's it, it, so it says... Is that it, like a sheet of acid? <laughs> no, it's enough LSD to make nearly 3,000 people experience hours of, quote-unquote, marked mental disturbance. 3,000? Th- 3,000 so, 3, people. That poor elephant. And the acid back in the day, in the 60s. Yeah. So just, <laughs> if you if you don't know, back in... <laughs> the OG acid? Oh, it was crazy strong. <laughs> it was actually acid. And in the 80s... Here's a little fun fact. Yeah. In 1982, there's this guy, uh, these two guys that got busted in Colorado. I think they were in like a nuclear silo that they had bought, <laughs> and they were just making tons of ass. They, so anyway, they got busted, these two guys, and like 90% of all the acid in the world, they were making all of it. 90%? It was something outrageous. Like, they were like breaking bad. Yeah. I but, wonder if that's what it was based on at some level. Like yeah, the except, <laughs> completely. Di- these guys were just like hippies right. making acid. <laughs> right. But anyway, so in the eight, like right about that time, they switched to something else. So this is crazy amounts of acid. Wow. So this what? is this is what happened to this elephant. So th- this is a quote from the research paper. His mate, Judy, a fifteen-year-old el- female, approached him and appeared to attempt to support him. Oh. He began to sway. And this is. Within like 15 minutes. That's his, just so much acid. Of the, and they shot it into him. Yeah. Oh, man. His, so he began to sway. His hindquarters buckled and he became increasing. It became increasingly difficult him for for him to maintain himself up. So he couldn't stand straight. Right. Collapsing. Five minutes after the injection, he trumpeted, collapsed, fell heavily onto his right side, defecated, and went to a status epileptic. So he, he had a seizure. Uh, epilepsy attack. Huh? Yeah. And he died. <laughs> they killed him. <laughs> they killed an elephant in, with LSD. In a painful death, I'm sure. Yeah. So he. Just probably hallucinating seeing like yeah, monkeys. Yeah. And then he and... crapped himself, died. <laughs> oh, Just went into a permanent brain seizure. Oh, man. That's... So. Yeah. All these people that say that acid is. Because that's one of the things that you never. They always say, oh, it's just a myth that, you know. Whenever you hear about LSD, people, you know, in the, the 60s and all the, you know, the Reagan right and all that, when yeah. they were saying, uh, that was later on, but, you know, to counteract the hippies. Yeah. They're like, oh, people are going crazy and jumping out of their hotel room windows because they think they can fly and stuff. Yeah. And all that, hippies are always saying stuff like, no one's ever died off acid, you know, all that kind of stuff. Same thing that they say about weed, but. Right. right. So here, documented. <laughs> Although this is an insane number, but it's an elephant. So I so, guess you can OD on acid. acid. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot for, I mean, 33,000 people. Yeah, but he, he's. He's one elephant. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. They probably gave him like 10 times the amount he, that he needed to kill him, even. I, I don't think they knew. That's what they were just seeing. <laughs> Jeez. So, anyways, yeah. Um, I feel bad for him. A bunch of researchers gave <laughs> a bunch of acid to an elephant, Jeez. and he died. So, there you go. Yeah, I wonder. i I just trying to imagine what he was thinking when... It was like Dumbo's hallucination. Dude. Maybe that's... Maybe that's the... Maybe Disney knew something about that. I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah. Maybe they paid for it. Yeah, but I mean, in Dumbo, he's right. an elephant and he goes, he has that crazy acid like trip. That's right. Oh. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like flying. Like, yeah, the way, yeah. It was crazy. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So now we're going off on a oh, tangent man. from. That's funny. But yeah. So there you go. Well, that's a perfect segue <laughs> into our, our new series that we're going to be going on. I need to make a couple claims. So we're going to be doing a series on eschatology, which is the theological word for the end times. And we're just going to be talking about it in various aspects and various picked out topics. And so we're not going to be doing like a hard timeline of like this happens and this happens, even though we'll offer those opinions throughout this and we'll define terms and stuff. But it's going to be an open-ended kind of series so we're just going to call it the end times series. That's what it'll be called. Yeah. So, and we'll I, just part them: part one, part two, part three. We and don't, they, they won't be all, you know, next week, right? You know, we probably will next week, right? And we'll keep d- up with it. But you yeah, know, there's going to we might take breaks in between. Right. For, it's definitely going to get interrupted here and there because we have some guests lined up in the future that are going to be on and stuff. But it's just something we're going to talk about. And what what brought it on was I was reading. Uh, something in the Drudge Report like a week or two ago, and it was um, uh, from Jerusalem Times or whatever, and it was this article about the red heifer. Mm-hmm. I think I, it happened last year, didn't it? Like August? It's happened a couple times. Okay. So basically, the so if you don't know what the red heifer is, I'm going to explain this. This this is what kicked all of this <laughs> on, and it got me thinking. The red heifer comes out of Numbers chapter 19 in... Um, Basically, the the it's it's numbers. I'll, I'll read right out of right off the Wikipedia for people, so that way they can go check it if they want. Yeah. But according to the the Torah or the Book of Numbers in our, in our Christian Bibles, uh, it stipulates that a cow must be red in color without blemish, and it must not have been used to perform any work. Um, the heifer is then ritually slaughtered, and then it's burned outside of the camp, and then with on top of cedar wood, hyssop, wool, yarn, and dyed scarlet. Um, and then they take the ashes and they use the ashes um, with pure water to, as a purification, um, to the to ritually purify uh, any contaminated contact with the corpse and all these other things. And basically, what they do is they use that ritual to make themselves clean so that they can actually use the temple. So it's it's a pretty it's a pretty important aspect of of judaism and the temple worship and all of that sacrifice the sacrificial system and all and so you're probably wondering well why would why would they be a red heifer well number one they're super rare if it has anything i think more than three white hairs or something like that then it's disqualified which has happened in the past right they they've had what they thought was right a pure right heifer. so this got me thinking that they they're excited because they believe that they've got the heifer that they need mm-hmm. that they're going to be able to slaughter and do that stuff but the problem is is we don't have a temple or they don't have a temple 
and by temple I mean the the Jewish temple for worshiping God for worshiping Yahweh. And so here, so let me unpack that for a second and kind yeah. of like present the the big issue and the problems of what that means mm-hmm. and what it means biblically, and right. then then we'll start talking. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I go on, just look at me like weird, and I'll <laughs> shut up. Okay? okay. And I preached tonight already, so I'm I might have my preacher brain start kicking in. So preach, brother. I don't really want to do that. I, I love okay. the podcast. This is less preachy, more more combo. So here's what here's what that means is that. In order for the end times to be fulfilled according to the book of Revelation, there is going to be required that Israel will have will be will build a what will be equivalent of a third temple. The original the original temple was built by Solomon in the Old Testament. David wanted it, but Solomon built it. That was destroyed in 70 AD and completely destroyed. And then they built another temple when when after captivity and after 70 years after 70 years of captivity they came back and they rebuilt it with Nehemiah and Ezra and those books in the bible you can you can learn about those and that temple was not as nearly as nice as the one that Solomon built the one that Solomon built was pretty incredible and God really put his stamp of approval on it by when they dedicated it, the holy spirit kind of showed up and the smoke just filled the whole temple and they couldn't do anything. It was amazing. It was Mm -hmm. this miraculous display of God. They didn't get that experience with the second temple. They're definitely not going to get that experience with the third temple, and I can explain why. But they need to build a third temple so that they can do these sacrifices again. Right. There's an organization in Israel called the Temple Institute, Mm -hmm. and the Temple Institute has been, over the past many years, building all of the uh, articles for the temple required for sacrifice and worship. So they have the basins that you wash in, the table of showbread, the the menorah, all of the things that would be indicated from the Bible in the temple. They've already built them all. Right. And even this summer, as I started to look into this, this summer they um, they dedicated the last article of worship with 70 rabbis from 70 different nations. Hmm. They've reestablished the Sanhedrin, which has been extinct, and they've reinstituted the education of the original Hebrew language. The language that they have now is not the pure Hebrew language, so now they're bringing back even the pure Hebrew language. Actually, you want to know another did you know? Sure. That original Hebrew language yeah. is the only dead language that is being brought back. That's cool. Isn't it? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you think about any <laughs> other, there's none yeah. that are considered, you know, the dead language. Right, right. Like Latin or right, whatever. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, and, and some would say it was never dead. Right, um, right. But I get what you're saying. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so I read this red heifer thing and, and I was like, wow. And it kind of startled me because the Jews that are, that, you know, are faithful in that way, they, they're looking for anything to be able to rebuild the temple. So, why isn't there a temple? The biggest issue that there's not a temple is because where they need to build it, it's what they call the Temple Mount area, and it's in Jerusalem. I've been there. And on the Temple Mount area, mm-hmm. because the Jews did something stupid back in the, I think it was 74, the Jews gave control <clears throat> of the Temple Mount area to the Muslims. Yeah. And the Muslims built a mosque. It, well, the big black rock thing. The right? Dome of the Rock the, is yeah. actually a library. 
but there's a mosque right across okay. from it. And so now the debate is like, how do we build a temple? How do they build a temple if there's a dome of the rock and this mosque sitting up there? And they're very, the Muslims are very, they love, they consider that area, it's not the holiest part in the Muslim tradition, but it's one of the top three. Yeah. You know, and the reason for that is really nothing happened there. But <laughs> they believe that um so the story of Isaac and um Isaac and uh uh, uh Jacob and Isaac, when he takes them up to sacrifice them, mm-hmm. the Temple Mount area would be what they what what they believe was Mount Moriah. So at that Temple Mount area is where they believe that he remember when he takes some Isaac up to to kill him, he, yeah. he's going to thrust a sword in him, and the angel stops him, and there's a ram caught in the thorns. The thorn bush, yeah. And he's like, and when they were going up, you know, it, Isaac's like, well, I see I see the wood, and I see the fire, <laughs> but where's the sacrifice? And yeah, Abraham, so naive. Yeah, yeah, and it was Abraham, and Abraham, not Jacob, I, I'm sorry, it was Abraham, and Abraham says to Isaac, he says, the Lord himself will provide, a you know, a sacrifice. And God did provide a sacrifice, and Abraham was living by faith. And so it, I meant I misspoke when I said Jacob. I'm sorry. Well, I miscorrect. You went along with mi- you. misaffirmed. It's me. long. It's a long day. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's late at night. We're recording it. So, so the Temple Mount. The Muslims believe that it wasn't Isaac. They believe that it was Ishmael, mm-hmm. Abraham, and Ishmael. And so they've twisted the story up all yeah. all messed up. And so it's a holy site for them, as much as it is for the Jews. It's really the Jews' holy site. But here's the craziest thing about it all. They've now recently discovered, because the temple is not that big. Most people think of the temple in Jerusalem as it's going to be some big palace, like, you know, look like some crazy, like I always, before I knew how big it was. Like a Greek pantheon or something. Yeah. Like in my mind, I was like, it's going to look like the Taj Mahal or something, you know. But it's really not, it's, um, you know, the footprint of it isn't that big. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like a hundred foot by like, 30 feet yeah it's like a rectangle and it's about three stories tall so it's not much bigger than like a single family home mm-hmm. and uh you can fit that in there up on the temple mount right between the mosque and the dome of the rock uh. and uh they would you know obviously build walls so around it <laughs> and so, so that you couldn't see the mosque or temple yeah, you know, or whatever yeah. but so they can technically fit a temple up there if they wanted to um but then there's even more research going on that where the Dome of the Rock is and all of that, it may not actually be where the second temple sat. Hmm. It may have been at another location down, you know, a few hundred yards away. Right. So I think they're going to figure all that out at some point here in, in our lifetime. Yeah. And it'll come through some kind of archaeological discovery that will, that will confirm, you mm-hmm. know, either way. And then they'll start to build the temple. So why does this matter? Like, like, what does this have to do with the end times? Right. What does this have to do with Christians and all that? Because one of the most incredible things that has to happen in the in the end times is that there has to be a temple, and once that temple is built, the Antichrist will go inside and declare himself to be God and demand to be worshipped, and he will defile the temple, Mm -hmm. even though it's not holy, because. So, newsflash, I'm going to cut to the end real yeah. quick. Um, the temple of God is no longer in a building made with human hands. We we who call on Christ as Lord and Savior are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Apostle Paul said. 
He said, we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the temple, God dwells in all these little temples of mankind that are Christians that are running around the planet, the billions of us that are here. That's the temple of God. Right. And that's where the Holy Spirit dwells. But there but, still has to be the third temple built. That's right. It has to happen. So, so basically, to say it, and I guess I'll say my preface to all of this. Yeah. Is that I'm learning <laughs> like a little bit before the, uh, you know, and doing a lot of this. So I'm totally a layman, even more so when it comes to this. <laughs> but with all this stuff leading up to the third temple, it's going to kick off. Like, uh, as you said, that the Antichrist is going to, this is all stuff in Revelation. This is all stuff that is setting up for the arm armageddon i'm just going to throw out terms and yeah the second coming of christ and all this stuff that the, we hear about the rapture the rapture right yeah so that's why um we should care yeah you know, because there's stuff that is being that was prophesied in multiple books in, uh, in different you know i mean just speaking generally about the end times and all that there's tons of books across hundreds of the you know years um so yeah so what and basically what you're saying is that when you start to look at this like all, all i'm doing is picking out one one <laughs> aspect and it's a, not even a disputable thing right like that's like that's like pretty clear like every no matter so whatever your view is on end times that's that's one of those things that's just not gonna like that has to happen it's a landmark situation and it's uh, indisputable right and it doesn't matter what your view is everyone agrees that that needs to happen yeah. there's certain signs like these are like i don't know sign markers or whatever you want to say that are pointing towards those things coming to pass mm -hmm. so like the red heifer is important because it's not genetically modified like they haven't done something to this thing it has to be born that way and it's inspected thoroughly and it could disqualify if they find three white hairs on it then they'll say oh back to the drawing board and the temple institute actually has a red heifer like farm and they're like trying to oh, really yeah, yeah. They're, they're trying to grow one you know and 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 figure out how to make that happen better but i think what they're going to do is as soon as that happens they're going to take it as a sign that god is on their side he's ready He's, they're ready and they're going to start aggressively trying to build the temple. Yeah. So that's one of the things, I guess, um, we've both, I think, been, <laughs> as soon as we started talking about it, or even before that, that we were like, yeah, we need to do a series on this. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, this is something that uh, for me, even growing up in a church, it, I never really heard a lot about. Yeah. You know, about uh, end times or prophecy markers, you know, um, and I've just been getting super into this and it's kind of scary. So, and like you said, you know, as soon as they find it, they're going to probably move really aggressively. And so that's one of the things that, um, you know, like a thief in the night, you know, this is going to come <laughs> really quickly yeah. and stuff is going to go down. Um, so basically this is, you know, just kind of setting up for yeah, so what's going to. Peter, we've been told that, you know, it's it's no dispute that we're living in what they would call the last days, quote unquote, you know. Right. And the signs of the last days are already here. Um, there's, you know, uh, John writes in Third John, I believe it is, he writes uh, that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. Antichrist being 
anything against Jesus. And so, for instance, um, you know, I saw that our wonderful, wonderful uh, Speaker of the House, um, as stuttery as she is, was making a proposal to take one nation under God yeah. out of our Pledge of Allegiance. That's Antichrist. Mm-hmm. They don't want God. Yeah. Well, how about this? Second Timothy 3. Uh-huh. Okay. I there like we go. Throwing down some verses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, so, right at the beginning, one. Starting with verse one, going through five. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Check. Yep. We see that. Lovers of money, boastful, pride, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, holy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Ooh. Brutal. Not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, And having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Mm. And it says, have nothing to do with these people, with such people. Yeah. So that's like a snapshot, right? Yeah. And I would say that's a pretty good, uh, that's even, uh, how do I say, a less harsh way. You know, like all of these things, I would say to like a hundredth degree is going on right now. Oh, yeah. Without question. Yeah. And not only that, but, you know, they also call it like, um, there'll be a return to the days of Noah. Right. And, you know, Noah, this was the way it was in the days of Noah, that sin abound, you know. And I mean, one of the verses that it talks about is that, you know, all of the thoughts were only evil all of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in our culture, it's definitely, our culture is definitely, you know, displaying all of those things. And Timothy that you just read, the days of Noah are there. So, what that does to me is it doesn't scare me. It it basically serves to me as like a marker, like, hey, a road sign, like, hey, we're traveling down a road and guess what? It's coming. The next exit. Yeah. And so, for the Christian, and so this is where it starts to get debatable. Yeah. Because, okay, all the signs are in place. We are in the last days. It's obvious, and you know that's a that's a been debated term because a hundred years ago, like I heard they could have said the same stuff about that. Yeah, well, like every generation has yeah. thought that they're the last generation. Like you know, they they just have because we've we are not experiencing evil like they did. Mm-hmm. Or they're not experiencing evil like we do, you know, and so we're seeing it like okay, it's obviously gotten worse. Well, there is no, there is no question that our culture right now, our by and large, is the worst it's ever been. Yeah. Other than maybe leading up to the days before the flood, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that we're not too far off from that. Even you know what I mean? Yeah. And um. And so what happens is those things serve as signs for us to know where we might be in the realm of how close we are to when God begins to put things in motion to take action because of the state of the world. Right. So as Christians, it's not as bad for us. So I was going to say, basically, um, I'm trying to think of a way to say it. Like, these are all the symptoms of a disease that there's going to be a cure when God comes, right? So these are all, yeah. we can look at these and go, or, oh, we're getting sick, you know? Or the disease is so onset that we're in triage or we're, <laughs> we're, in, we're in hospice care. Yeah. The culture's literally in hospice yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. And the throes of death are about upon us, yeah. you know? Um, 
yeah, I, I, it's really hard for me um, to think about my kids and to think about, so all these thoughts start coming through my head and, and one of them is ang- anxiousness or fear. And, and I just want to set any listener at ease right now that you don't have to be afraid because if you have Christ as your Lord and Savior, no matter what you face, he will never leave you and forsake you. And whatever we get in after this life is a gazillion <laughs> times better than anything you could receive here yeah. in pleasure. And the pain will evaporate. The mm-hmm. pain of what you face in this life will be gone forever, forgotten, never to be experienced again. So those things we have no reason to fear. Um, and, and actually, I hope anybody listening to this that's a believer, I hope to kind of like shake them a little bit. Like maybe they're a little comfortable in their Christian faith and maybe this will help stir them a little bit to realize that, hey, you know, that person that I know that doesn't know Jesus, maybe I should share with them because tomorrow we could be gone. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to, I don't want to regret that, you know, Mm -hmm. especially if God put them in front of you or put that person next to you. Yeah. Anyways, let's see, I'm getting preachy. Yeah, you're getting preachy. Sorry, man. That's all right. No, it's good. You you didn't even have to give me the eye. I I could tell I was getting preachy. So, um, so maybe we can, now that we're probably like halfway into this. So this is going to be, this first episode is just going to be laying some groundwork of some terms and, um, maybe dispelling kind of setting what we think. Um, Cause you said, you know, you brought up about the red heifer when you're saying, yeah, there's different views of how everything is going to go down. Yep. Um, but there's some indisputable things and this is where we can have fun with it. Talking, you know, down the road episodes about conspiracy, you know, not conspiracies or, you know, I guess things that are conspiring. So I guess it is a conspiracy theory stuff that, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, the cool stuff about, uh, you know, what's going to happen or some signs, you know, other going into more depth, but let's, I guess, go into, you know, the different kinds of disagreements and maybe spell out where we personally stand and, um, you know, go from there. Yeah. Get into the, Maybe less boring or more boring stuff, but so, stuff that's important. So there's a, yeah. So, so terminology, like, yeah. So since I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag right now <laughs> for me, my view, I know you, you may or may not want to share what your view is, but my view is I believe, and just for the sake of terminology, so then we can define some of these yeah, things, yeah, yeah. I believe in a pre trib, uh, pre tribulation rapture of the church. And this with, is where the different things come. Right, right. Okay. And and I'll further that definition with, <laughs> I also believe in a full 1,000-year reign or a millennium reign of Christ on earth where the saints, a.k.a. Christians, will be glorified and rule with him. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that following that reign with Christ will be the, the great white throne judgment. And um, But before that happens will be Armageddon, where the whole world will rise up against him and he will defeat them with the sword of his mouth. Without even lifting a finger, they will perish and it'll be gross and <laughs> lots of blood. Um, and, I, and I also believe that there will be a new heavens and a new earth to end it all up. So he will redo everything and it's going to be amazing. So that's where I stand. So like pre-tribulation, mm-hmm. rapture, well, first of all, rapture, that's debatable, right? 
Yeah. Some people don't believe in a rapture. Some people think the rapture is going to come at different points. So I'll just go ahead and say this. Yeah. Um, So when you're picturing, and so just so you know kind of what pre-tribulation means when it comes to this, it was really popularized uh, in the 90s, early 2000s of when the Left Behind series. Yeah, yeah. So if you've seen that movie with Kirk Cameron, um, and I, actually they did a remake with uh, Nicolas Cage that I did not see. But so that idea of, so, you know, you can go and, and define, you know, rapture and all these terms. But basically, if you've seen that movie, that's pre-tribulation. That one day all these people are here and then like within second the twinkling of an eye boom that's right people are gone they're gone they disappear yeah yeah so the word rapture comes from the the greek word raptus Mm -hmm. which means to be caught up it means to be caught up so like in a net like when it so literally a fisherman pull a net up out of the water boom all the fish that are caught in it are Mm -hmm. caught up right and they're just gone instantly and so you can imagine one fish is there and the next minute these fish is gone (laughs) (laughs) little fish buddy but there's a couple verses that support the rapture mm-hmm. um for john 14 verse 3 first corinthians 15 uh verses 51 to 58 first thessalonians 4 and revelation 3 10 those are just some that i've got here recorded i i, yeah. I, I want to say that i did all the research on this but i didn't someone else has done the research and i'm borrowing their yeah, there's excellent work so i guess anytime if you you know once we lay the groundwork if you want to dig more there's so much support for yeah. There's just, this is like textbooks and like yeah. just so much information out there. And so. I would say, I, here's here's the other thing that I would say, don't don't go it alone. Yeah. Involve some other people that you trust that are further along in Christ and they're in their, a little bit more mature in their relationship that you trust them and you know that they love you because you can, you can get into some things where people believe certain things and it can lead you down a, a path that actually would lead you away from the truth. Not saying, so, and here's the other thing. Okay, so we're talking about prophecy. Yeah. Prophecy, there's a whole lot of unknown yet to be determined. How that's going to play out, we we can only predict. We can't really de- We can't really define it. But there are things that God, like we said, there's landmarks that God yeah. says, this, when you see this happen, when you see that happen. But between those two things, any the way it plays out, God can do it how he wants you to do it. Bring up that analogy that you used with the... With the Isaiah? Yeah. So the, Yeah. So imagine you're a Jew living in Israel at the time of Isaiah's ministry, and Isaiah is getting prophecies from God for the nation of Israel that they're going to be taken into captivity. And it, it it is exactly is what happens. They get taken into captivity, but it wasn't over like a moment where like the army rushes in. It over, wasn't a rapture. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a rapture. Yeah, it was like it was actually over. I believe, and I could be wrong about this, but I believe studying that it was about a a, a fourteen year period where they would come in over a series of attacks and take people into captivity, and they would come in and take people to captivity, and they were just basically decimating them over time. Uh, but what was a fact was that he's, that Jeremiah said it too, is that they're going to be in captivity for 70 years. And they were in captivity for 70 years. And Darius was the king, the name of the king, that would release them to come back to Israel to rebuild the nation of Israel and the temple. Darius, and I got a little 
little thing with Trump here in a second that I'm going to share with you. Okay. Darius was named, uh, I, I believe it was 400 years by name in the Bible before he was ever born. Hmm. So God named the king what his name was going to be that was going to allow them to come back 400 years before he ever was born. Yeah, and you have to realize that he wasn't a Jew that like knew. Right. Like, like you know what I mean? It's not like there's going to be a king. We need to, you know, the, the royal families of that or whatever, like naming their kids Darius until. Right. No, yeah, it was nothing like that. Yeah. It wasn't anything like that. And he was a Gentile. He didn't care about Jewish right, right. prophecy didn't at all. didn't know about it. Didn't care about the nation. He just yeah. wanted their, he wanted their, their gold. Yeah. And their people, and that's what they did. So, um, but check this out. So Darius, because he let the he let the people of Israel come back to build their temple. Mm-hmm. There was a coin released this year in Israel, and there's two two portraits on the coin. One is of Darius, and the other is of Donald Trump. Yep. Can you believe that? It's so. Cr- it's, so, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. But the reason that they say that is because he moved the embassy back to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And he's the most ardent president we've had that's recogni- recognizing the Israel as a nation before the UN, before, you know, the rest of the world, standing with them very strongly, probably probably since maybe Reagan, Yeah, you know, is my guess. Um, since, well, yeah, definitely since Reagan. I mean, Obama was basically working against Israel, which was yeah. just sad, you know. Yeah. But and and what's funny is if you talk, you talk to the, the you talk to the Jews over in Israel, and they're like, "We don't need America. We've, right. We've got God. We don't need America." Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of their attitude. Yeah. All right. So the rapture. But the point you're the point that I wanted you to bring up about Isaiah is, you know, he prophesied that it's going to happen. Yeah. And it didn't. We we didn't know. And we. They didn't know in between um, how it was playing out. It was a little piece by here, a little piece by there that maybe, um, kind of using another analogy for your analogy, you know, like <laughs> a, a frog in boiling water doesn't know, you know, you keep turning up the heat, it yeah. don't jump out or anything like that immediately. That's right. Um, but, you know, they might have not realized that, you know, maybe seven years into it, they're like, well, we still have half our people. You know, this isn't. Maybe this isn't going into slavery or, you know, maybe we won't be the ones going into it. But the thing is, they didn't know how the thing that God had said was going to happen. Yeah. They didn't know the means by which they were going to transition into that practically taking place. Right. Like in a very practical sense. And that's how it is looking forward. We don't know what exactly... This is going to do this, and then that, and that, and that, and that, and that. You know, that's all up to God to do as He has laid out. You know, that's right. And and so, like, He's He's unfolding history that He knows, and how that's going to happen. Like the the key people, like how how the decisions they're going to make, and their rise to power, and when they rise to power, all those things. It's all in His hands. Yeah, but when we look back, like it'll be. Undeniable. Undeniable. Exactly. Yeah. And the things that he gave us that were that were certain landmarks, like the Antichrist is going to go in and declare to be God. And, you know, it'll be the abomination that causes desolation is what it's what scripture talks mm-hmm. about. That will happen and that will not be easy to miss. Right. You know what I mean? Because that will kick off, 
you know, a whole series of other events. Yeah. And so those are the things that are indisputable that, that we need to be in agreement with. The things where we can't agree on, like, well, is it a pre-tribulation rapture or is it a mid-tribulation rapture? Or is it a rapture at all? Or is it or is it a partial rapture, you know, where like some go up and then some go up later. And like, you know, I'm literally, you can start to read these things and it's crazy what some people actually believe but when you begin to unpack what they believe, you can see why they believe that. Like there's all scriptural, this isn't heritage. They might have a few scriptures in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I just don't agree with them. Right, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm going to try and compel any of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, but like for, for me, like there's a basic, like there's a few basic reasons why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Mm-hmm. Number one, what is the purpose of the tribulation? Well, how about you go ahead and we break down some terms. getting ahead of myself a little bit? Okay, sorry. So the rapture, we said it's raptus, it means to be caught up. Yeah. The the tribulation is a seven-year period of God's wrath on the earth, and that word wrath is the key word there. God is disciplining, uh, he's turning his attention to the nation of Israel. Within these seven years. Within those seven years. Okay. Right. And so he's going to, um, there's a series of what they call bowl judgments, where bowls, like you imagine like a bowl being poured out, and then scrolls being broken. And these, if you've ever read Revelation, right, you're familiar with all the crazy right stuff that's you know that comes the, out the and Im- all that. the imagery yeah i mean yeah. we're talking like the water like like a like 50 percent of the water is going to be contaminated like you won't be able to drink it the ocean's going to be destroyed and the fish are going to die and well don't give it all away we could do right <laughs> we could talk yeah. about yeah so so the rapture period is when all that's going to just when literally all hell's going to break loose <laughs> i mean literally yeah. that's like like that's not even an exaggeration like all hell will break loose um and so uh, when we talk about the tribulation, that's a seven-year period. So, like, we know it's a seven-year period because the Bible defines it as a seven-year period. So, that's one of those landmarks where we know, okay, boom, this is going to be it. Now, what's amazing about the tribulation is that halfway through, three and a half years in, it's going to be peaceful for part of it, but not for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So, there's a whole thing there with the that deals with the Antichrist where he promises peace, he promises all these things, and he changes his mind about halfway through and brings the bad part. So just to go, just to lay some uh, more groundworks, as a pre-trib person, before that seven years is when we get raptured. Right. So Just just clarify. Yeah, so like on a timeline, the next thing to happen that is supposed to happen is the rapture. Like that's the church, we've... The church is established. The end times are here. The next thing to happen is the rapture. And then. And then, according to our eschatology, is that then the tribulation will come and then, you know, the Antichrist will rise to power. And I mean, the Antichrist could be alive right now. Um, He he might be, Mm -hmm. you know, and he could actually be working, you know, working his, Satan could be doing his thing to get him into place so that he can use him the way he wants to use him. Yeah. Okay, so after the uh, I got ahead of got ahead of myself after the trip after the tribulation yeah the next timeline so or the next event the next big event will be Ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine the battle of Magog and Gog okay. so that's going to lead up to 
what we would call the millennial reign. And that's basically the, um, the, the whole world turns against Israel. God miraculously protects Israel and, um, and they put into effect the beginning of all of the last of the last of the end times. It's a pretty incredible thing. And Ezekiel 38 and 39 talk about it. There's actually a book by Joel Rosenberg, which you might want to check out sometime. It's called the, 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 the Ezekiel, he's <laughs> the Ezekiel option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, he's, he's a, he's a novel writer and he's also a political guy i think <laughs> but he's a novel writer but what's really a remarkable about his novel writing is that it's almost prophetic mm-hmm. things that he wrote about before 9 11 like happened yeah and it's like how did you know and he's like I, I didn't know like i've i've talked to him before he's like i didn't know <laughs> uh, you know he's got this kind of high voice it's pretty funny super smart guy he actually relocated from new york back to israel he has a place there that's cool he, he repatriate repatriatized he's a christian all right, so um, so then you have the battle of Gog and Magog. Magog, uh, you know, is is some people believe it's Russia and Iran coming together, or Russia and Syria coming together. If it's Russia and Syria, there's something really crazy there because Russia is literally inhabiting Syria right now. Yeah, and so this is another thing that you look at and you know what do, what does to be Blunt. What does Syria offer Russia? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Other than other than real estate that's right. really in close proximity to Israel. And Iran. Yeah. And Iran, yeah. So that's these are the kind of things where you look at and you might go, Oh yeah, that you know, does Putin know about you know, is he well, here's, following the stuff or yeah, not? So that's where when you read Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine, all of the nations that come in um, that they mention, you know, geographically where they are, the um, all of them but one are Muslim countries. Mm-hmm. So it appears as though, <laughs> and they're surrounded by Muslim yeah. countries, right? But it appears that Russia could be Gog or Magog, one of those one of those two nations, non Muslim that partners with you know, these Muslim mm-hmm. countries so that they can go ahead and, and, and surround Israel and try and attack them and, and have this big giant battle. Okay. Um, and then, so then following the battle of Gog Magog is the, is what we will call the second coming of Christ, which is, so we were raptured, mm-hmm. hell breaks loose on earth. And then this giant war, and then Jesus shows up and he, he begins and establishes his throne on earth for 1,000 years, a millennium. And he brings back with him the saints, which would be those that have died before us that were in Christ, and those of us that were living at the time of the rapture will be coming back with him. So all of the saints, the faithful saints from, from, from the, you know, the beginning of history to now, will be returning with him ruling and reigning with him and what's amazing is the size of his kingdom Mm -hmm. uh, geographically when they give the dimensions of it in revelation it's bigger than the footprint of the united states (laughs) so you figure you can fit you know comfortably with plenty of space left over 300 million people in the united states right yeah so you you could fit a billion people in a footprint in the size of the United States. I was I was in China 
there's a billion people in China. It's about the same size as the United States, uh, landmass wise. Mm -hmm. And um, you you can there's plenty of space. They're not running out of space at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, even we brought up that fact about uh, what was it Texas? Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, during our uh, shout out to our population control. That's uh, right. Yeah, episode. But yeah, we there's plenty of space here. Yeah, there's yeah a lot more people for so. sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you think about uh, the size of the New Jerusalem or whatever, it's gonna be, it's gonna be huge, and lots of people could fit in it. And so this is where the the phrases of ruling and reigning with Christ comes into play where Jesus gives the parables where he says, to whom much is given, much is expected, where Paul writes in Corinthians about the reward, how like if we're faithful with little, we'll be faithful with much. And and Paul Paul himself actually talks about how we will how will you build in Corinthians, where he says, Hey, are you gonna build with with uh, gold, silver, and precious stones, or are you gonna build with hay, wood, and straw? And those are in references to what are you building, number one. And number two, what are you building with? And it, those are in references to your obedience to God and the life that you build that reflects him. And he says that whatever you build is going to be tested by fire. It'll be shown in the day. Mm-hmm. The day is a day of where what is revealed of what we've done with this life. And so for my wonderful Calvinist friends, <laughs> this is a great verse that supports a person always being saved once they're saved, right? a new creation. Because he says, Paul writes in there, he says, the guy that builds with way, with way, with hay, wood, and stubble, it's going to be burned up, but he himself will be saved, even though everything that there, there was, that his life was consisted of, it will be burnt up, but he himself will be saved as one escaping through the flames. And so that's what we would identify as what I like to term, use the term, a saved soul, but a wasted life. Right. And that's what we want to avoid. <laughs> right. And so it's going to, what we do is going to be judged by God. Every believer will will receive a re- opportunity for rewards from God on how they lived and what they did with the life that God gave them after they became a Christian. It's different than the last judgment, mm-hmm. which we'll get into that in a minute because yeah. that's that's next on our so list. So basically, to kind of sum it up and the reason you brought up, uh, I don't want to say like a ranking system almost because Christianity is not based on deeds and works or anything like that to get salvation. But once you're saved, you know, like, I don't know. You said, you know, a wasted life. You could be saved, but you... Right, live so, in sin. But the the reason I was bringing this up is during the millennial reign, when we reign, it'll be yeah. given different responsibilities. Basically, yeah. so I've been I, I've been taught and I believe that based on your obedience and your willingness here to to serve Christ and to and to be you know, like really give your life for the kingdom, will will open up what your opportunities are. In the new in the millennial reign to rule with him and like so like it's hard to imagine this but if you can for just a minute imagine like um a, a really <laughs> like some sacrificial person who just gave their life for not what i mean when i say give their life mother I, Teresa. 
Yeah, like, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't know much about her, honestly. I just, <laughs> I just know she's always used as a saint. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And like held AIDS patients when they died. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. which is a beautiful, amazing thing. I'm not taking anything away from that. But um, so say Mother Teresa. We'll just use her. Yeah. So she welcomes into heaven with Jesus. He bestows upon her crowns and jewels for all of her good works that she did that glorified God, in which she turns and takes them and gives them right back to him at his feet. Mm-hmm. But then during the millennium, when they when the millenn- when he sets up his millennium kingdom, and I always want to say millennium falcon, <laughs> um, but when he sets up his millennium kingdom, he's going to have us ruling and reigning with him. And Paul talks about this in Corinthians as well. He talks about <laughs> he talks about when there's lawsuits amongst believers. Right in chapter six, he's like, "Yeah, you guys are suing each other." He goes, "How are you going to even rule and reign with Christ? Like, what your destiny is if you're suing each other?" And right. he's like, "This is ridiculous. Like, it's sad." And um, and that's the reference he uses, mm-hmm. which is really interesting to think about. Um, and so what we do here affects there and what we get to do there is going to be based on how what we very possibly yeah what we you what what God gave us here to make use of if we're not good stewards of it you know right our reward will be so like there's a possibility that there will be people that we know that will be ruling over entire like regions of new Jerusalem <laughs> of the new yeah it all get like uh, plot of land, you know that's big enough for me. Hey yeah. man, if I no, just, I'm just kidding. I, I well, I'm under the I'm under the uh, like if I can just hold a door, I'll be good. <laughs> yeah, let me in. Like, yeah. I don't think anybody will be unsatisfied. And here's the other thing: what our bodies and our minds are going to be like in the New Jerusalem, we'll, we will be glorified bodies. Mm-hmm. So First John talks about it. We're going to be like Him. We'll be made like Him. We'll see Him will be like him. In other words, you're going to receive a new body, a new new mind. You'll still be you, but you'll be you the way God originally wanted you to be. Right. Which means you'll be you'll you'll have no capacity to sin. Your sin nature will be completely destroyed and gone. So think about that. Here's an interesting thing I just thought of. Yeah. So when we're in heaven, we'll be worshiping for all of eternity. But it's this is almost like correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just thought yeah. came to my head. Yeah. We won't, we'll actually be put to work before we get to worship with him, right? Well, actually, check this out. Or your work will be worship. Right, right, right. And not only that, it's only for a thousand years on earth. Right. Then he's going to redo everything. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's when we get like the eternal. And who knows what that's going to be like. Right. Like, he just doesn't give us a clue to that. I just know we're with him, yeah. which is amazing. Which is good enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So imagine given the responsibility to, because, in the thousand year reign, which maybe we're getting too deep on this stuff now, well, but the, here's a good contrast. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about what, when I say we believers, Christians, yeah, what happens to us? What happened? What is earth like when we come back after the war? During the thousand year uh, reign? During the thousand year reign. It, okay. So one of the aspects of the earth is that, um, that Satan will be bound for the thousand years after the. Gog Magog. Right. He's okay. bound. And so... When Jesus comes back. Right. At that initial so, time. That's right. To set his kingdom. So Jesus establishes his throne in Jerusalem, and he's ruling and reigning, and there's big walls around it, and 
There's people inside. Beautiful walls. Beautiful. Like, if you don't like walls, then... Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to like it. That's, don't, whatever you do, don't tell Trump yeah. <laughs> that there's walls in the Bible. <laughs> Actually, I saw a meme with something about like... Yeah, anyways. Um, so... Satan is bound. Satan is bound. And so the believers are helping rule and reign over the people that will be living in that time period. And what's amazing is that uh, the Bible tells us that a hundred years will seem like a like the life of a like a young uh, there. So who knows? They could be. They could live to be three, four, five hundred years old. So it could be in the span of a thousand years, one generation, two. Right. But think of how many children you could have right. and all that. But then add to that component that there is no Satan. Mm-hmm. So there's still a sin nature in those people that are born in that thousand year reign because they're not glorified yet. Right. That what they're doing is they're li- they're literally living in Eden, like like it's a Edenistic place. Yeah. In the sense that Jesus is there, his rule and reign is there, his peace is available. Satan is not there. Sin is not readily something that is being uh, tempted. You know, people are being tempted by in the sense that Satan's going around. He's called the great tempter, right? Right. So, so he's not available. But people will still die. People will still have sin. They said that Isaiah talks about how you can put your hand in a cobra's den and not be bitten, and the lion will lie down with the lamb. And so, there's some really peculiar um, characteristics of. Right of this millennium. So here's another question. Yeah. Maybe people are wondering, so I'm going to ask it. (laughs) Will there be non-believers during that time period? Yes. It would be very hard to be a (laughs) non-believer when you can see Jesus, you know, on his throne. But I believe that there will be people that will be non-believers. I think there's that option because, and this is where my Calvinist friends will get frustrated (laughs) with me. Is that free will exists, and they don't? They won't dispute. You know, Calvinists don't dispute free will, obviously, but um, but free will exists, and um, you have that opportunity to accept or reject. I mean, even when he's sta- literally even, standing in front of you. But here's the crazy thing, and that's exactly right. Yeah. Literally standing in front of you, but every time that the gospel presented is presented <laughs> to someone, he is standing in front of them. Right. What you just don't recognize, you don't see him. And that's the craziest thing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the overwhelming majority will. I just don't, uh, I just can't imagine that he's holding, like, hey, I'm ruling and reigning. I, I died. The, he will. It says that he will bear the marks on his hands and his feet so that we'll, like, the testimony, they, they will be a lasting testimony of his work, right? Right. It, it's, it's almost, to use another Trump analogy, when you hear all these people saying, like, he's not my president and stuff like that. No, <laughs> right. no, he, he literally is your president. <laughs> right. Like, you can think and come up with all these schemes, you know, illegitimate or, you know, what? A, and this seems so ridiculous oh, because me- it doesn't take away the fact that he's... Literally, still your president. Right. He is your president. Right, right. And I know that that's more analogous. And uh, well, hey, look, there's not going to be an election for Jesus when he comes back. Right, he's right. just going to establish himself. Yeah. <laughs> every knee will bow. Every every tongue confess. So, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and throw this in since uh, yeah. So if you uh, if you don't like a constitutional republic in the way that we have it set up right now, um, <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> You might even say that, uh, or it it will literally be a theocracy with God standing at the top. Hundred percent. I mean, this is <laughs> when 
like I heard this term, uh, theocratic fascism, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Where like, literally it's that this is the only way, mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. But it will be perfect because it's it's God. It's Jesus. Yeah. So There won't be brown shirts. There'll be white shirts. We'll be completely in glory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we're, we're still be taken. But yeah. anyways, yeah. So. Um, and there'll be people right. outside of the kingdom as well. Right. So those outside the kingdom are going to deny. They're not going to accept it. They're just, they're going to be the ones, not my king. Not <laughs> my king. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, after the millennial reign. That's right. So, uh, well, Satan will be released after a thousand years, and um, he will face judgment from God. But before that happens, and this is debatable because it's a little unclear, but this is what where I lean on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, after he's released, he'll deceive the nations, and then they will rise up again, and God's just going to decimate them. He's just gonna be like, no, I'm done. We're not. And that's the no more games. Sword coming from Jesus's mouth. Right. The, the, Tattoo on his leg. White horse. Flaming eyes. Tongue like a sword. Just so scary. Like he, he opens the mouth and slays them. Literally doesn't lift a finger. Yeah. God, oh, that's our king. Yeah. It would, it would, it's the, amazing. The blood will go up to the the girdle of horses. Yeah, that's what they were saying, that the blood, because they'll gather in the Valley of Megiddo, which I've seen. Mm-hmm. So what's amazing is you can stand on Mark, Mount Carmel in Israel, and you can look down on the Valley of Megiddo, and Mount Carmel is the same place where Elijah burned up the thousand prophets, right? Remember yeah. when he called down fire from heaven? And so it's a pretty historic you know, spot on the earth where God displayed his power through his servant. And you can look down to see Megiddo, which is like literally just down the hill and <laughs> across the valley. It's a big valley. Um, Napoleon, at one point, I heard that he had he had described the Valley of Megiddo as the perfect battlefield. Right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. To think that he would even say something like that. Yeah. I wonder if he knew. He had to have. It was in the 1700s, right? 1600, 17. No, 1786. Napoleon was in the 17s, okay. so I think 1740 or something like that. Anyways, um, I could be wrong, but for some reason I keep thinking he's in the 1700s, but I'm sure we'll get corrected by listeners. <laughs> <laughs> some history buff will be like, you yeah, idiot. it's too late for me to... How can I trust anything? You can't get Napoleon <laughs> right. How do you know? So, but anyways, um, so it's important to say when you're when you're talking about these, you know, these geographic places, yeah. that there will literally be a battle, like yeah. on earth... Like this is the war, literally the war to end all wars, and this is when we keep talking about um, as Christians, you know, like the cliche things where, you know, like we've already read the ending, we know we win, you know, like that kind of stuff. You yeah, know, take solace in the fact that, you know, uh, you know, it's one of those things where like you're going through a rough time and you know, <laughs> Satan's really messing with you, but like he's going to lose in the end, and you know, that's like right. those, those platitudes and stuff. But this is literally like he will end. This literally the fulfillment of not today, Satan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that song kind of annoyed me. <laughs> I understood what they were saying, but yeah. yeah. So uh, Satan gets released, and um, and he man. Uh, you know, I, I heard it described one time of like during the thousand years of his captivity, he's going to plot in a way to get back to God some way. He wants, to, he just hates God. He hates, 
he hates God. And uh, he wants to destroy God's creation. So he deceives the nations one last time. Mm-hmm. And then God says, I'm sorry, that's not going to work. So when you say he dece- he will deceive the nations. Yeah. So these people that are living during the millennial reign. Yes. Under the rule of Jesus, who know Jesus. Right. Will turn against or they will be deceived. I don't think that those inside the New Jerusalem okay. will will turn against him. I think yep. they're going, because they're going to, I mean, for the first time ever, they're going to see evil personified. Right, right, right. So they're going to be like, wait, we've been living for a thousand years with utter peace. And now there's war? What's war? They're not even right. going to know what that is, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so it's, I think, personally, I think, and this is conjecture, so, because we don't know, like, this is more of the between right. the high marks, we don't know. Uh, we, but I think that just my speculation is that they won't inside they won't, but outside they will. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll he'll become a leader for them, and he'll probably reveal himself in a way he never has on earth um, at that point. And so you, that's Revelation twentieth twenty ish somewhere in there. Which um, just to think about when you're when you're saying that Satan's going to be plotting and stuff like that. Yeah. So here's an interesting thought. Um, I'm not sure if I brought it up. But here's a perfect time to bring it up. That yeah. Maybe people um, put on your pastor hat again. You know, does Satan actually think that he might have a chance at winning? Here's a qu- just to <sighs> throwing it out. That's a great question. Um, because it, yeah, because so I'm torn by that. Okay, because I, I, I want to set this up because this is a really good point. Yeah. And I think it sounds really smart. Makes me sound smart. Well, can I say what I want to say first, okay. and then you say that make okay. me feel dumb? Okay. And if I get it right, then say yes. Okay. Right. I, I here's my initial thought on it is it's almost like, um, like I, we're mature. This is mature, right? We we have like the yeah yeah okay. we, we're explicit, explicit. So I'm gonna be a little graphic here. Okay. I, and my wife and I always get frustrated whenever we hear a news report about a man who kills his family and then kills himself, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like just kill yourself. And I don't mean that, but like, if you're going to, why hurt all these innocent people? And I kind of look at this situation with Satan the same way. It's like, he knows he's not going to make it out. He knows that this is the end. I'm just going to take down as many as I can with me. Boom. That's the only thing I can think of. That's, I don't think he, man, honestly, Rosie, nobody's going to look at Jesus in and think that they can beat him. <laughs> right. I, I mean, Colossians tells us he's the creator of everything, mm-hmm. that nothing existed before him. So how can the created thing look at the creator ever and think that he's going to be better? Right. It's just not a reality. Yeah. You know, but he is a deceiver. Yeah. So maybe he deceived his own heart. I don't know, man. These are the things that I just, I lay awake at night sometimes and I just <laughs> get puzzled by and I'm like, why? Why, God? Why did you even let him come? But mm-hmm. but then I think God's just bringing glory to himself, you know? And and then I'm overwhelmed with gratitude because I've been shown mercy by him, which is, I don't yeah. deserve. Yeah, well, this has nothing to do, but I was going to say, uh, because Satan is not an atheist and he knows the Bible <laughs> and he knows he's going to lose. So, that's so that was true. my little tidbit I was going to throw in beforehand. But Dude, that's awesome. I yeah. like that, though. So after the, after he's cast in the lake of fire, because mm-hmm. he's gonna, it's gonna be a pretty quick release. 
deception and destruction. I was going to say, why don't we talk about the different, because this is another one that we brought up, amillennialism, and this is another one of those things. Just touch briefly on the uh, the different, what is there, post-mill? Yeah, pre-mill, post-mill, pre- amillennial. Yeah. Um, and then I have another one, pan, <laughs> pan-millennial or something like that, and I'll, I'll go over that in a second. So uh, pre-mill is like, uh, pre-millennial is where what we've been going through mid mid millennial or wait, wait, you, wait a second. I'm sorry. I'm getting my own self confused <laughs> here. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, so, uh, a mill is basically a meaning without, without. Yeah. So they don't believe in the millennial reign. A literal millennial L- reign. Literal. So a person in that situation who believes theologically a millennial, and I, I'm going to have to double check this, but for the most part, it's someone that believes that kind of it's been happening already. Right. The problem is we're 2,000 years <laughs> past Christ, so it's like, and they're like, yeah, exactly. It's not a millennial reign. Right. I'm like, well, if, so then the question is like, if Christ is reigning, because it's it describes it in Revelation 20 as there's perfect peace and no more tears, and like, that's just not happening. Right. So then God's a liar. Yeah. And a very important thing that I, I think, the Bible literally says 1,000 years. So this is one of those things that kind of, like, it, it literally says 1,000 years. So Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it does. It says 1,000 years. Yeah, yeah, so. It says yeah, it a just, bunch. And here's another thing about the rapture. Like, we yeah. were going to, I don't, did I say this at the beginning? I may have not, may have said this, but the word ecclesia, which means church mm. in Boom. the first yeah, yeah, three chapters. Yeah. I said that? No, you didn't. Okay, so. The word ecclesia is used like seven or nine times in the first three chapters of Revelation. You get to Revelation chapter four, and it's not used again until Revelation chapter 20. Mm-hmm. So all of those chapters in between, there is no mention of the church. And to me, that's one of the strongest arguments about a, a pre-trib rapture of the church. Because in between chapter four and 20, right? That's yeah. when all the... That's, stuff that's when happens. The, that's when the, the wrath the tribulation pours out and all that stuff right. i think we already talked about this i don't think you said you didn't mention that point okay yeah so so there's certainly a good argument for a lot of these things but mm-hmm. for me i'm just compelled to believe and maybe it's just because i was saved in a church that believed in that and i was taught that for many many years but i have taken the time to examine some of these other views myself personally yeah and also i just and and the 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 most aggravating argument that I have ever heard is that, well, you're just, you're a pre-tribber. You just want to be escape the bad (laughs) and just be taken, snatched away and never have to face bad. And to that, I would say, okay, first of all, have you read the Bible? Because the Bible tells believers in particular that in this life, you will face tribulation Mm -hmm. like tribulation will follow a believer because the world hates god you follow him so the world's after you satan hates god so satan's after you and then you have the indwelling flesh that wars against the spirit as well your life is not an easy peasy nice and squeezy lemon squeezy whatever you want to call it yeah there's a lot of opposition and there's a lot especially being a christian only Right. I don't. Before I was a Christian, I you know I just went with the flow. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what I mean. Is, yeah. You it's know what I mean. Easy live. Yeah. I, I mean, never fought to do right. Like I yeah. never. I never had that. That lovers of pleasure. You know. Right. Self. I mean, that's yeah. I would lie. No problem. So what? 
we'll get you get over it, loser. You know, if if you didn't like the way I lied to you or whatever, or, or hurting anybody. Right. And so this is why it's like, like people, it's like red pill central, baby. Like <laughs> you, you you get saved, you get red pilled, and and God drops you into some serious stuff. And and Peter says clearly, don't be surprised when these difficult things come upon you, these temptations, these trials, he says, they come upon you um, as though there's some strange thing. He says, but God's allowed them for the perfecting of your faith. You know, he's making you more purified in your faith, in your trust in him. And he allows difficulties, tribulations, trials to come into your life so that you'll be more trusting of him and be more like him. So basically... Our whole lives are tribulation. So why? That's something I read. Is you know why would God want the church to go through it again? Right. And the the big question is what's the purpose of the tribulation? Right. The tribulation is not for the church. There you go. It's for his coveted Israel that he loves dearly. Yeah. And he disciplines those whom he loves is what we're told in Hebrews, and even it even says punishes in some translations. And so there's some. You know the shaking and the wrath and the the bold judgments and the scrolls; those things in Revelation that are talked about are designed with the purpose of bringing Israel back to Him. Um, and the abomination that causes desolation when the Antichrist sets himself up to be God—that's going to be the first real wake-up call for those people in Israel um, that are around um, to really turn to God. Mm-hmm. And God sends two witnesses, which could be Elijah and, and um, Enoch, or Elijah and Moses. Um, those are the only options. We think I think I lean towards Elijah and Moses because that's who was on the Mount of Transfiguration with with Jesus. But those also represent the Law and the Prophets, and Jesus stands between the Law and the Prophets. So it, it could possibly be Enoch who walked with God and never was again. Um, in other words, he just kind of was raptured, raptured yeah. right? And en- and Elijah, who was also raptured by, by a chariot of fire, they, they're the only two saints that we see that never tasted death. Mm-hmm. So they could... It'd be kind of fitting yeah, for them to come. They're yeah. going to come back, and they're going to do things like call fire down from heaven. <laughs> which they already have experience doing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they'll die and be rose from the dead as well. Mm-hmm. Then God's going to send 144,000 witnesses not jehovah witnesses (laughs) (laughs) they'll be yahweh witnesses but preaching jesus and they're going to be sent out there'll be virgin males we know that um jewish guys they can't be killed and they can perform miracles as well and then he's going to even top that by sending some angels that i think three different occasions i'm not i have to go back and look at my notes but um there will be angels that will be going flying over, speaking in different languages, preaching the gospel to all of the world. So During the tribulation. This yeah. is all taking place in those seven years. Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> right, yeah. But doesn't that just show the mercy of God? He's still giving you yeah. another chance. The whole purpose is to get you to come to him, and then he makes it easier by sending witnesses to you and amazing, miraculous things, and even angels preaching gospel to you. And who knows, he might unleash dreams to people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm hearing of Muslims that are having dreams of Jesus and he's telling them <laughs> that they need to surrender their lives to him. Yeah. You know, and that's happening now. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that, you know, because people, it, there'll be extreme persecution for those during the tribulation that right. are following Christ. Yeah. 
And I mean, just as another point, and maybe um, when the angels, as a um, to kind of step away from the the, the theme, yeah, of the podcast, but it's a. It really stuck out to me when the angels come back speaking different languages and proclaiming the gospel. That's always one of these things that I always hear from people saying like, oh, what about the Amazon tribes that, you know, <laughs> uh, th- th- it's always framed with you white American cr- evangelical Christians, you know, if you don't go down, you know, like all this stuff, what about the tribes that never hear or, you know, all that stuff. I'm just going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say, um, if God has made known that he is going to send angels, why couldn't we believe that, you know, he's doing that right yeah. now too? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, Romans says that all of that creation testifies. Right. So and, they, they already have a conscience that's bearing witness to the fact that there's a creator. Right. Right. That's why they worship false gods and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I just, I just, uh, the point I just meant is, you know, and you, we hear about these stories again to go kind of off on a tangent where, missionaries go down to like some tribe yeah that doesn't have never had a bible before or anything right and they start talking they're like hey we want to talk about jesus and they're like yeah we know <laughs> they're like oh that's what you guys call him like <laughs> yeah, yeah right. we, like we totally have this and they're like how do you have this and they're like yeah you know it just we just know like a so story just, of somehow yeah that you know perfectly biblical but anyway i just thought it, that was interesting that that gives me solace to think you know if if he he says one of the ways that you know he's trying to bring people back, I don't think it would be so weird for to think that God's not doing that right now. So that gives yeah, you know, I would Dude. take solace and you know God's going to handle if he can handle all the stuff that we we just talked about, all right. that stuff. You know, not that we don't have to prophesize, and maybe you can talk about the mandate of you know how this all wraps up. But yeah, you know, I, I God's going to handle his people and yeah so like bring the full number full number maybe you can wrap up with the mandate and then the the full number yeah so my okay yeah for the like you're talking about the full number of the gentiles so so there's a theory about the rapture that the rapture will occur when the last gentile comes in and uh the reason they say that is because paul mentions that god has turned his attention to the Gentiles and away from the Jews because the Jews were resisting and not willing to receive the God right now. This is in the current time. Right. Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. But having said that, a Jew, you know, if, if you're Jewish and you're listening to this right now, you can accept by faith the gift of salvation that's offered through Jesus. Um, just like a Gentile can everyone, who comes into heaven will come in through the same door, which is Jesus. And so that's the one thing that that is happening is right now God's attention is on the unbelieving Gentile world that's not his the apple of his eye, the Jewish people. The Jewish people are he's got a special he has special attention to them and he's gonna deal with them in a unique and special way that he won't deal with in the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Some people believe that once the fullness of the Gentiles come in, then the rapture will occur and then God will turn his attention back to during the tribulation. Yeah, and the tribulation is that thing. And I just want to take a step. When you mean the fullness of the Gentiles is complete, what that literally means is we don't <laughs> we don't know the name, the age, the right. the nationality, the what what language they're going to speak, but there will be according to this one person 
<laughs> that will be literally the last one right. to turn their lives to Christ. And then that number, which is unknown to anybody ex- right. except for God, once he's like, all right, that's my, that's the number, let's do it. God in his foreknowledge, he knows when that human being, Gentile, will accept. Isn't that weird? Because it could be a woman, it could be a... Yeah, yeah. How and, weird would that be to, like, to, w- w- after it happens... Like you, you being the last one, you go up. Oh my it, gosh. Being the last one, if you knew that, you'd be like, well, do you that think that was close? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Do you think they would know like up and down? They'd be like, yeah, whew. Like, yeah, man, you were, that was it. Well, you were them. I, I don't know because this is what's amazing to me is that um, Jesus, so the, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus doesn't even know the day or the hour that he's going to return. So I don't know if Christ himself, um, if, I mean, it's so weird because he's God, so he's one with God. But anyways, that's like we're going <laughs> oh, down a rabbit yeah, yeah, hole. Yeah. I don't want to go down right now because I'm not – it's late and my brain's already half jello. But my point would be that, yeah, the fullness of the Gentiles will come in, and then God will turn his attention to the Jews, which would, logically would mean that the rapture would of the church would occur. But just because he's – his attention is on the Gentiles doesn't mean that Jews right, can't right, come in. Right, There's right. many, many Jews who have turned to Christ by faith. Mm-hmm. They see and understand what the work of the cross demonstrates and that Jesus is Messiah. Fulfilled all the prophecies that they've been waiting for. Over 300 prophecies <laughs> of the of his first coming. And, um, and even like, I would just say like, if you're a Jewish, if you're listening, it's like Psalm 22 is a tremendous Psalm. It, in, in, parallel that with what Jesus says on the cross. He's quoting Psalm 22. Where he comes from, all, I mean, there's just there's just overwhelming evidence there. Um, but I can understand why that would be hard for a, you know, a Jewish person. I mean, it's, for us, we're not Jewish, so it's a different race, it's a different thing, but to be, like, if it was yeah. some, if it was some, like, 50% Scottish dude like me, <laughs> right, I would be like, you're just a you're just a crazy dude like yeah go drink some more scotch you you freak go put your kilt on right you know (laughs) you know what i'm saying yeah i can understand that but they can still come in that's the beauty of it so and then this is the last thing that i wanted to say my mandate or whatever Mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter what your eschatology is in in um, light of like everything we've talked about whether it's pre mid post it and I mean, I want to qualify that statement. It, it does matter at some level, but it doesn't really matter because the same instruction that a pre, a, a mid, or a post-trib person would have from God is the, the mandate that God would give any of them is the same mandate. And that mandate is, is that you need to live like today could be the last day. You need to live as though you'll face him today. And that is what should be the motivating factor for every believer, because we can't, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And the time is short, regardless of when you think it's going to be. Even just your life. Your life, yeah. And so that's really the more important issue here. It's not to get in a big debate about, oh, that's pre-mid, that's post-trib, and this, that. And well, I saw Ecclesia seven times before. You know, we can get into that stuff um, pretty quickly and easily, but that's not going to make a difference at the end of the day when it comes down to, are you loving your neighbor? Are you fulfilling the Great Commission? Are you doing the things that God said are important to Him? And that's what that's what we want to be about. Mm-hmm. And so let let the let the evilness of the wickedness of the days that we live in be the motivating factor to bring light, you know, 
Yeah. This is all supposed to be like good news. It is. It's <laughs> you know, great it's news. Great news. It's good news. It's fantastic news. Yeah. But yeah. I was going to say at the end of the day, though, one of us is going to be, one of the views will be right. So <laughs> that's right. And <laughs> so it won't matter. At it that won't point. matter. It won't matter yeah. at that point. Yeah. And, and yeah. So, and if it's a pre, if it's a pre-trib, then in your post-trib thought, then you'll change your mind on the way up. And, <laughs> and, and if you're, if it's a, if you're it actually be better for you, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. You're like, Oh, <laughs> this I was, is a lot I was nicer. preparing for yeah. the worst and I got the best, <laughs> Yeah, you know, but if you're, if it's a post-trib situation, your pre-trib, well, guess what? Jesus will give, be with you through even the worst hell that you'll face in that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyways. It's a win-win. It's a win-win, yeah. With and Jesus. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rosie, we, we just like scratched the surface on a lot of this stuff. We could dig down on, on several of these things, but it, I want to just give thanks to that red heifer. <laughs> that kicked this yeah. whole thing off and we're going to talk more about these things in the next uh you know in up and coming episodes and stuff so we'll get we'll get back into this and we'll get Dive away into from some it. cool little i'm looking forward to some cool the, stuff the nuanced stuff yeah, yeah, yeah it's kind of fun just so, just the groundwork yeah man so there you go that's the part one of end time series <laughs> it's been pretty cool and uh i'm looking forward to finishing it out Yep, at some point. So maybe the rapture will come before we finish it. We don't have to worry about it. And maybe this podcast will be left as yeah. a testimony for someone to listen to and be like, oh, that's what happened. Right, yeah. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Anyway, just doing our part. Just doing our part. Yeah. All right, brother. Hey, man. Have a great day. Listener, we will catch you next time on All Out War. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at alloutwarcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.